Let's talk about our democracy for a minute. <laughs> but let's do it in a way that makes the snowflakes' heads explode. Let me be clear before this podcast begins. We are loud, loud proud, proud, and do not give a fuck. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast. Real and raw political and social commentary. The freedom to oppress the rights of other people is not liberty, you shit-eating moron. Ah, the smell of freedom of speech. This is the Tony Michaels Podcast, and this is Tony Michaels. Hey, Tony, fuck them. It's hump day. Happy, happy, happy hump day. Somebody's under investigation. <laughs> oh, I've been saying it for months and months and months. And ever since we heard that John Eastman and Jeffrey Clark had their electronic devices taken from them weeks ago, it was clear. It was clear that Donald Trump is under investigation by the DOJ. There it was no doubt in my mind. Doubt me. Doubt me. I'm telling you, if you are still listening to people out there clamoring on about how Merrick Garland isn't going to prosecute Trump, you have your fucking head up your ass. You are you're not paying attention. You're only paying attention to the lies that the few are telling you. Besides, Merrick Garland isn't the one who prosecutes here. The Department of Justice is the entity that prosecutes. And the United States Attorney Graves in D.C. has a grand jury and is moving closer and closer and closer to their target. Our targets, as it were. And it's very clear. It's becoming more and more obvious as we watch... Who is being at target? In other words, who's taking what devices? Jeffrey Clark and John Eastman having their devices taken is very significant. That was significant news. That that ties Trump directly, directly to a DOJ investigation, folks. Not, not third or fourth in line directly. He was in direct communication with Clark and Eastman. We see the evidence in public at the January 6th hearings. Stop listening to Don Winslow on this subject. Stop. Tell him. Tweet at him. Stop talking about this. Talk about something different. The number one personality trait that you have left, Don, is that Merrick Garland isn't going to prosecute Trump. This is really fucking dumb. Really fucking stupid. And Merrick Garland has said over and over and over again, it doesn't matter who it is. They do not give a fuck who it is. If they committed crimes to try to stop the certification of the vote and overthrow our election in 2020, they will prosecute them. We are going to see state legislators, all these fake electors. It is becoming more clear that that looks like the thrust of this is the fake elector scheme that John Eastman, Jeffrey Clark, and Donald Trump were trying to use and trying to pressure state officials like Rusty Bowers. We get news that Mark Short, the chief of staff of the vice president of the United States, 
What's the pivotal point of the fake elector scheme? To get Mike Pence to certify the fake electors, not the real ones. The actual certified legal electors. So if you're still listening to fucking puke artist on Twitter about how, oh, hysteria, Trump will never go to jail. Trump will never get charged. There'll never be accountability. You have your head up your ass. So stop. It's enough. Stop Stop the nonsense. Let's move forward. Let's all work together to make sure these fascists, these goddamn white Christian nationalists do not take over our government. That is what we should be doing. Not fighting whether the DOJ is going to prosecute people. It is clear that they are going to prosecute people. There is no doubt in my mind that they are going to prosecute people for the January 6th, not just the insurrection, but them trying to overthrow our vote in 2020. They're going to prosecute. Now, who, where, what charges they give, that's the question. Of course, that's the question. But that's the question left up to the prosecutors. Because when they swing, when they swing to hit Trump and his allies, they have to connect. They have to connect. They cannot whiff on this one. We want them to do their due diligence. We want them to take time. We know the crimes that are committed. We see them with the select evidence. The court of public opinion can indict Trump now. They can indict Trump now in 2022 and serve him his sentence and the rest of his allies their sentence in the midterm. You can do that. You have the right. You can still vote. As of now, you let these white Christian nationalists take over our government. They may take that away from you, just like they're taking rights every day. And they want to take more and more and more away from you. So stop complaining about the Department of Justice doing their fucking job. Stop. Start getting activated. Start getting engaged in your democracy. Do the thing that we can do best. We the people, which is democracy and shit. They're terrified of it. They're fucking terrified of it. Absolutely terrified, scared, running scared of democracy. So much so that they are are referring to themselves as white Christian nationalists. Marjorie Taylor Greene even embracing the words toxic masculinity. Saying, yeah, you goddamn right, we need toxic masculinity. We need toxic males all over the place. We need Nazis, is what she's saying. We need Nazis, is what she's saying. I want more white Nazis. White Christian nationalists, is what Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying. So stop with the bullshit and the nonsense and trying to fucking gaslight people that the DOJ isn't doing their job. Enough of that shit. We don't need to listen to that bullshit from our side. We can, we can put that aside and tell them to fuck off and we can move on and save our democracy here. It can happen. We can do it. We can indict Trump in public court, in the court of public opinion, and we can convict him in 2022. It looks like Warnock <laughs> won't be debated by Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker's terrified of him. John Fetterman is absolutely trouncing Dr. Oz, that the New Jersey resident running in Senate in Pennsylvania. J.D. Vance can't get a word in edgewise. 
with Tim Ryan because he's too busy talking about how women who are in violent relationships should have to force to be stay to stay in those marriages. We are on the verge of winning. We could do it. We just have to band together. We just have to engage in the ballot. We have to have strategic outrage. You got to stay pissed about the stuff that matters, not the stuff that doesn't matter. Stop being pissed about whether the Department of Justice is going to do something. Go talk to your family and your friends about the court of public opinion. Go tell them the evidence that you saw in the January 6th select hearings and the more and more evidence that will pour out. Let the DOJ to their work. It's now time for you to be the prosecutor, for you to sell the case against Donald Trump and his allies. Now, right now, not yesterday, not last week, right now, to sell that case to the American people, your friends, your family, your colleagues, your fellow parishioners, parishioners, the people at the fucking grocery store. It's time for you to convict Donald Trump in the court of public opinion. And you are the prosecutor. And you are making the case. Everywhere you go, anyone you talk to. Now's the time to engage in our democracy. We can do this. I'm very confident. And yesterday with the news, <laughs> that Donald Trump is under investigation. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. That was my response. Yeah, no shit. He's under investigation. No shit. As if we haven't known this for months. The DOJ does not announce this shit. Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland convicted. He was the prosecutor in Oklahoma City. The bombing in Atlanta, the Olympics. And he never said one public word about those investigations. Not one. And got convictions in those cases. So be confident that Merrick Garland, as the head of the Department of Justice, will make sure the Department of Justice itself does its job. And Graves, the United States Attorney in Washington, D.C., has a grand jury. They're investigating every single facet of January 6th, which is a lot of work, and it's going to take a lot of time, but they're, they're already right there next to the Trump, the Trumps and his allies, cl- very close when they're seizing Jeffrey Clark and John Eastman's cell phones. That's damn close. That's in the same goddamn room that Trump was in. That's where the investigation is at, folks. Be confident in your institutions. Be confident in your democracy. Stop spreading anti-democracy messages around if you're pro-democracy. Stop. To doubt our institutions and our government only gives the fascist fodder only gives them fodder. Yes, is it perfect? No. Is justice always served? No. Is our system broken in some places? Absolutely. But if you allow them, the fascist, to spread doubt and to see this country with the fascism that they want to, you may lose your democracy. So it's up to you. It's up to you. To either believe this this fucking stupid nonsense about Merrick Garland and, and, and absolute bullshit lies about how he's not or if he is and all this nonsense. If you just go and look at his record and you look at what he said on record since then. And you, and you just look at the investigation that we know publicly. The parts that we know publicly 
Of course they're investigating Donald Trump and his allies. Of course they are. Why do you think he, Grandpa Poopy Pants is freaking the fuck out? Freaking out about the fucking Georgia phone call. Absolutely freaking out. Because I believe that that federal that, that that the Georgia investigation into the phone call and pressuring of Brad Raffensperger and the election officials in the state of Georgia is a state case, but it's a Fed case too. It's a Fed case with the state electors. It's a Fed case with Rusty Bowers in Arizona, the House Speaker, who has been now ostracized because he told the fucking truth under oath. It's a Fed case. And they're going to every single uh, every single rock that they can un- uh, turn over and see underneath. I believe the feds will find every single bit of this evidence that they need to have. And the re- one reason why, folks, is because these idiots are buffoons. They're absolute buffoons. You just look at the case of John Eastman and Donald Trump alone, trying to convince Mike Pence to do something not only unconstitutional, but illegal. Mike Pence did not have the authority to overturn the election. And yes, he would be charged with a federal crime. Absolutely. That's why Mark Short is so fucking pissed off at Republicans. That's why he's pissed off at him. I'm no fan of Mark Short by any stretch of the imagination. Me and him would could talk for days and days and not agree on a motherfucking thing. I mean, besides that Matt Gatz is probably going to go to prison <laughs> for sex trafficking. We showed that video yesterday. But Mark Short, the chief of staff of the vice president of the United States, who was the target to be killed if he didn't do what Donald Trump wanted him to do? And he's also the target in the Eastman memo and the plan of illegally overturning our vote which is a delusional plan at best. At best, it was delusional that Mike Pence could somehow swing a gavel and crown Donald Trump king. It really fucking stupid. It really fucking dumb. The votes were already certified. The vote was legal. Biden was already the president-elect. There's nothing that Congress could do to stop it. They could protest. That's all that is. It's just a pro- the ability to protest. But they did more than protest. They tried to use the protest to overturn and commit a Cheeto dust kangaroo coup. And the coup attempt is still ongoing. And their attempt this time is not a violent coup. Their attempt this time is to take over governments anywhere and anyhow they can. That way they can get inside the government and tear it apart. And take your democracy away from you. Take away your way of life. Do you really want a bunch of white Christian nationalists, self-proclaimed white Christian nationalists, overt Nazis? Jesus Christ, there were people marching outside the, the student conference, the Turning Points USA student conference in Florida with Nazi flags. They're Nazis. And Charlie Kirk is going to sue uh, The View, I guess, and Whoopi Goldberg because she called him a Nazi. Well, hey, Charlie. While you're handing out seasoned assist, send one here to the Tony Michaels podcast, motherfucker. You're a Nazi. You're a fucking Nazi. And anyone who is there in support of you is also a fucking Nazi. There was Nazis outside with the fucking flags. 
Stop pretending like you people aren't encouraging these motherfuckers. It's enough of this garbage. Call it what it is. Charlie Kirk's a Nazi. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Lauren Boebert. Matt Gatz. Anyone who supports the Turning Points USA conference that they had. Nazis. You're fucking fascist Nazis. And I applaud the view and anyone who else who will join me in calling them Nazis. So, Charlie Kirk, have your lawyer, get your lawyer some fucking money and have them send me one here. Just just DM me. I'll send you the fucking address to send it to. Let's do that. You fascist piece of shit. That's what we have to focus on. And we have, oh, we have some races that we have to focus on here. It looks like uh, there's a development this morning in the race to defeat Ron Johnson, that Russian Putin's puppet asset. That's right, Ron Johnson, the guy who went to Russia and and, and got his knee pads on for for Putin. That On the 4th of July of all of other holidays out there, Independence Day, our day of freedom, he went and Gave fellatio to Putin. Hypothet, you know, not, you know, not, I mean, he may have actually given, I don't know. Maybe that's what Putin is holding above him. I don't know. It's hard to tell with Ron Johnson. It's hard to tell. But the case in Ron Johnson, uh, the, the, uh, one of the owners of, uh, the Milwaukee, or excuse me, I, well, um, let's see. Who is this? And they dropped out of the race. Yes, Alex uh, Larzy or Lazy Lazry Lazry Alex Lazry has dropped out of the race, giving the the nomination of the Democratic ticket to the favorite to win, which only strengthens the possibility that Ron Johnson will lose his seat. There you go. Boom. There's another seat. You want to make Joe Manchin irrelevant again? I want to make Joe Manchin irrelevant again. It's to win these races, or win these Senate races. Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Missouri. Missouri is in play, folks. That Missouri race is in play. I think there's a sleeper candidate in Missouri that could be a senator. We may walk into the 2022 mid after the 2022 midterms of 54 Democrats in the United States Senate, which makes Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema almost exactly irrelevant. You will no longer see their names in the news. They will not be able to stall anything or bullshit around. They'll be able to yell and scream, but that's about it. So it's time for you, the people, the voters, to engage in the ballot. Whatever, whatever it takes, whatever, whatever you're good at, whether you're good at talking on the phone or texting or writing letters or sending postcards, you can do all that. If you got some extra change in your pocket, these campaigns are going to need some fucking money to win and to make sure we beat back Trumpism in this country. This Christian white nationalism, absolutely fucking ridiculous that we in 2022 we have to try to fend off a bunch of overt Nazis. It's ridiculous. But that's just the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be this year. 
So stop trying to fucking focus on whether Donald Trump is going to be investigated or indicted or not. Indict him in the court of public opinion. You, as the prosecutor in 2022, and let's hand him his conviction and his allies and the people who still love him and and still grovel at his feet. Let's hand them their conviction in the 2022 midterm. That's your jury selection. That's your jury vote. Look at it that way, that the 2022 midterm is the jury vote for convicting Donald Trump and his allies in the court of public opinion. Because at the end of the day, right now, in this year, in our democracy, that is the only thing that matters. Now, whether the Department of Justice moves on charges or not, we're going to find out. They will. But again, they cannot swing and miss. They have to connect on these charges. They cannot swing and miss. It Our democracy depends on them connecting if they decide to charge and who they decide to charge. That, that is the, the cold, hard truth. So as the news breaks, again, no shit Sherlock, as the news breaks, that of course the Department of Justice is investigating Donald Trump for the crimes that were committed at January 6th, of course they were. We can stop listening to the bullshit. You can stop listening to it. You don't have to listen to it anymore. You don't have to play along or fucking do any of that kind of nonsense. Let's convict Donald Trump and his allies, anyone who supports him and Trumpism and MAGA in the 2022 midterm. We are the jury. We have the jury vote. Speaking of uh, white Christian nationalism, we talk about that in today's interview. Today, I have a great interview for you. Dakota Von Adams, the estranged son of Stuart Rhodes, joins me today in an interview talking about day eight of the hearings, what he took away from day eight, what he see, what he sees as um, the Oath Keepers and Stuart Rhodes and some of these trials moving forward as we talk about the Department of Justice. But he also responds to Stuart Rhodes giving an interview uh, to the Gateway Pundit. Jesus Christ. Again, that's a whole other ball of wax. When you have Stuart Rhodes making jailhouse calls to the Gateway Pundit, sending signals out into the world. He gave a recent interview saying he was going to sue the Sex Select Committee and Benny Thompson. Remember just a week ago or a couple weeks ago, he was so excited, so excited to go testify in front of cameras in an open mic. Oh, yeah. He loved the Select Committee then. Absolutely fucking loved it. But now he's going to sue them because they wouldn't let him yap in front of a microphone, I guess. I don't fucking know. He says it's because they called him a white nationalist. Well, listen. If there are 10 people, and I said this yesterday, if there are 10 people sitting at a table having dinner with one Nazi, one, you have 11 Nazis at that table. Mark it down. Write that shit down. If you have 10 people having dinner at a table with one Nazi, just one, you have 11 Nazis at that table. And Stuart Rhodes, 
to claim that he didn't, his group didn't have white nationalism. Give me a fucking break. Give me a break. You met, you met with Enrique Tario, the leader of one of the biggest white nationalist public groups in the country, the Proud Boys, the day before to hand off the security forces for Roger Stone. Give me a fucking break. Stupid Rhodes. So we're going to watch Dakota break that down uh, today. We have a, a long discussion about that. <laughs> and I uh, in the in the front of the interview I could have edited it, but in the front of the interview um, <laughs> I I I have a long pause so pay, so pay attention I actually um, Dakota has become a a great asset here to the Tony Michaels podcast for everything that is Oath Keepers Proud Boys and Militia and White Nationalist and even the deep dark web the far right um, infiltrating like 4chan 8chan and some of these other these other deep dark parts of the web, uh, he's he's experienced it in his life. He knows exactly what it is because he's had his eyeballs on it for years and years. He grew up in the militia movement, so I I feel like he's a, a brilliant mind and a great uh, asset to the country to actually look at and know exactly what is happening before us through the periscope of people who follow these movements. That is the most important part um, that Dakota does, is that he actually looks through the lens of people who follow and grow up and are cultivated and groomed in these militia movements, these white nationalist movements, and how to pick pick it apart. We also talk about the New World Order. That's right. The New World Order. We talk about it in the end of the interview. So stick around for this interview uh, you're definitely not going to want to miss this interview with Dakota. It's a great interview. He's getting better and better and better at these interviews. And uh, the information that he has is so valuable. Again, looking through the lens of the white nationalist movement, the militia movements themselves, to pick apart and tell you, pro-democracy people, what these people think, how they think, what they think, where they're moving towards, what all this stuff means. Because sometimes it's almost like it's in code. It's almost like it's in code. And we talk about that in the interview as well. So stick around for that after the at the bottom of the hour at the break. Go ahead and subscribe to the Tony Michaels podcast right here on YouTube. You know, we come every single weekday. We come to you at YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch at noon Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific for two full hours every single weekday, Monday through Friday. We also simulcast from the Midas Touch Facebook page. So don't forget to subscribe. Today is Wednesday. So for you new audience members, tomorrow is Thursday and we do a poll for the Bonehead of the Week. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the Tony Michaels Pod, where you can vote for Bonehead of the Week tomorrow. And boy, a lot of Boneheads are sure to make themselves known. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play this interview. It's about an hour long uh, with Dakota. And then once the interview is over and we come back from the break, we will go through the shit list roundup. I have a lot of video I want to show you guys. Now, there, <laughs> there's candidates out there and con- sitting Congress people out there embracing white Christian nationalism. That's what you should call it, by the way. White Christian nationalism. When they're talking about this, don't let them get away with just leaving off the white part. White Christian nationalism. Stick around through the break. The interview with Dakota Von Adams right after this. 
What the fuck is wrong with you people? It's a rhetorical question at best. We'll be right back on the Tony Michaels Podcast. Fellow patriots, what would you do if there was a Trump supporter right in front of you, crying in pain because they have to live under communist tyranny? We know what you would do. You'd reach out and give that true American a hand. Now, here's your chance. For only $50 a day, you can help us help those true Americans recover from Biden's socialist reign of terror. These are those Trump supporters, and this is that moment. Send your donation via Venmo to the real president, Donald J. Trump. It's only $50 a day. <clears throat> Recurring. And it means you'll get these Trump supporters the critical help they so desperately need to survive under this false regime. Please donate now, because those Trump supporters you just saw can't wait another moment. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck em. We're back to the Tony Michaels Podcast. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us through the break. We have our regular guest, Dakota Von Adams, our 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 regular white nationalist uh, expert, as it were. He's not a Long white nationalist. Long there. Hey, hey, Long well, pause. you know, you know, even. right. Well, we're going to talk about um, the the word white nationalist uh, later on in the interview uh, when it comes to Stewart giving a. Uh, a jailhouse interview to uh, none other than the gateway pundit, um, which is a- another story in and of itself. But you, you have become on the show, the Oath Keepers, Proud Boys and White Nationalist groups and a really militia expert here for us at the Tony Michaels podcast. I didn't mean to pause so long, Dakota. Yeah. Just uh, coming at you live from the podcast shed. Great, great. Yeah, what well, you, you're 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 streaming now. You're doing some of your own content, so that's great. So we'll we'll do a shameless plug later on. So everyone stick around through this interview. That way, you know where to find. Chill, uh, chill my Substack. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You can you can pimp your pimp your content here on the on the show. So let me start because I know as, as soon as the hearing was over, just I think it was about an hour afterwards, you had messaged me said, "Hey, I have a lot to say." Um, so let's start with the hearing, the, the the last hearing that we saw, which is number eight in in the season one finale, as it were. What's the dog's name, by the way? This is Mocha. She's very big. Say oh, hello, okay. Mocha. Yeah, well, the audience loves the, the animals. The audience loves animals. So um, Mo- maybe Mocha will help us through this hearing uh, talk back and forth. So what did you make of the hearing? What things stood out to you the most? Because I know you were talking earlier about... Uh, some people were making comments about it, but you had a certain thought about it. What What was your take from the la- the last hearing, the season finale, as it were? My take from the season finale is it definitely feels like a pre-planned, produced season finale. This feels like, when, like I've said before, when you are writing an essay where you're trying to get a point across to the general public, you start out by telling them what you're going to tell them. You tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. This episode, the eighth session, was the summary episode. It's the one that is the penultimate, edited together, concise, one-stop timeline 
for you to show your relatives and friends and associates who might have absorbed all the lies about the January 6th insurrection definitively with video evidence and direct visual aids uh, discrediting all of that and showing the truth. This is where they throw in all the meme footage, which is very, very smart. They get Josh Hawley skadoodling for his life. They get uh, Trump's bloopers and outtakes. They get Discovery Channel special mode, where we get the 3D model of the White House to demonstrate exactly how short the walk would have been for Trump to go to his briefing room and talk the mob down at any time, juxtaposed with edited in on the little 3D rendered TV screen in the oval, in the uh, not the oval office, the presidential dining room, the live Fox News covers that he would have been watching at that exact moment, and showing that simultaneously with. Uh, testimony of Secret Service members relaying last messages to their families because they thought they were about to die in combat with the January 6th insurrectionists to try to protect Mike Pence from a lynch mob. That all put together with Kinzinger on fire, with Cheney going after Bill Barr, with the pro-Trump uh extraordinarily Trumpy uh, witnesses who were proud of their work with his administration uh, who turned on him because of January 6th. This is the pulling the wool from your one kind of smart uncle's eyes episode. That's what it's for. And I think it does an excellent job of that. So for people who already know all of it, and this is all old familiar ground, it's not going to add a lot new for showing clips or showing a single episode that is highly entertaining and well edited so it keeps your interest to somebody that you know who might be reached or has a, absorbed wrong information but isn't clinging to it as part of its identity this is it this is this is the weapon that's been handed to you by the January 6 committee why well, I, I can't agree with you more on that on that point and a, and a couple things too that I'd like to add now the 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 story where they're telling from the dining room when uh, Kevin McCarthy actually was able to get on the phone with Donald Trump, the president of the United States at that time. And his first instinct, his first instinct, Dakota, which I almost thought of you immediately, is when the president of the United States like, oh, it's Antifa. Right. That's it. That was the first instinct that Donald Trump had to blame, blame the entire thing on Antifa. It was it was almost like. He was a Pepe the Frog internet troll right in my thread. Like, oh, Antifa. And, and, but Kevin McCarthy said, no, no, they're make my staff is running away and they're your supporters. They're the ones that were down there listening to you. And then he said, and then he immediately, immediately in this thread that we are listening to, right? He immediately changes his mind that this is no longer Antifa. It is his supporters. You are correct, Mr. McCarthy, but you must not love your country and you must not love me as much as they do. That's the problem. Like it, 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 he totally fucked him on the Antifa narrative and then he completely does a 180 and then says, well, here's the reason why. I, I don't know. That moment in and of itself really kind of describes not just the mindset of Trump himself, but it really does show that the tail is wagging the dog, right? 
Like that is his, that Trump didn't invent that response that everything's Antifa. He is, he's seen this response and he's a copycat, right? Don't you think? Yep. And it, uh, all it did was confuse the messaging where they could have stuck to one consistent narrative. It was all Antifa and burned everybody who was on the ground and then pretended everything was fake. Or they could have stuck with these were patriots. This was a legitimate action to protest a stolen election, which is becoming a standard GOP party line. And Ashley Babbitt was a martyr. But they tried to do both because of confused messaging from Trump's insiders that started immediately as they tried to grapple Internet trends and go with what was most popular. And while that worked out pretty well in the past, it, in this case, muddied and confused their narrative. And I think it's hurt them more than it's helped. I think you're right. The other the other significant thing um, with the witnesses, because you brought up the witnesses, we, we saw a, a former National Security Council advisor, a lifelong Republican. He even tried even tried during his testimony to, to kind of, it was kind of gross, right? He, 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 it was to make Trump, disgusting to right, witness. To make yes. Trump, to make Trump into this great president, in Iran. right? It, it, it really, it really was fucking vile uh, that the witness was doing that. But I think it was important to show that this is not some fucking left wing libtard, right? That, that's not what this. That's not who he was. He was a Trumper. And but even he was so disgusted that day watching dereliction of duty and Donald Trump doing nothing so that way he could actually become the king of the United States or MAGA, whatever the hell he actually whatever his aim was here. I think that's the actual thing we didn't get is what his aim was. But I don't know if we'll ever know that, you know, who, who knows about the ideas? short-sighted grasp on power. I can give you my personal theory, which is constructed almost entirely from certain similarities in the psychological profile between uh, my father, Stuart Rhodes, and Donald Trump, because they're both malignant narcissists. When Stuart founded Oath Keepers, from that point on, his future was set, because once he had a taste of being the Oath Keepers militia general and the attention and the respect from uh, men who were a lot better at him in a lot of a lot better than him in a lot of ways, objectively. And the money and the little amount of work that he could do and the adoration. Uh, he could never, ever go back to regular life after that. He could never go back to working, even working as a lawyer and flubbing his way through the workday doing jack all or. Um, working for a political activist group from then on only the level of adoration that being a militia general and savior of America would get him would be enough. And only the easy lifestyle that that brought him would be enough. I subscribe to the theory that Trump didn't really intend to win the election. And now that it is inner circle, that he was going to parlay it into his own media channel and rule right wing talk forever uh, off of the, off of the energy of the election was stolen from me and make that the new birther conspiracy for the entire Clinton presidency. I believe that was plan a that's pretty well known at this point. A lot of people think that once he was in Trump's ability to be anything, but the president was ruined because that he was addicted within the first hit of presidential respect and power. And he 
regardless even of the fact that he was likely headed to prison. If he lost power, he was psychologically incapable of giving up power. He's an authoritarian personality. They don't relinquish control once they have it. He could never again step back down to a position of any less importance than the president, which is why he has maintained, remained effectively president in his own mind and is insisting on the stolen election and playing to his crowd all through the United States. I think presently, the plan as it is has been to run a weird quantum will-he-won't-he political campaign that, as a side benefit, screws over all of his rivals within the Republican Party who could one day steal his mojo and burn the GOP for failing to be 100% behind him during the election fraud and the coup attempt. And also, I believe, just to grift money so that he can flee the country. That's probably the conscious plan. But subconsciously, Trump is never going to be able to accept losing and just leave quietly to be Putin's pet president in exile, which is one of the possibilities that I was thinking about in January of 2020. He's not going to be able to do it. He's going to be compelled within himself to try again because he will never be able to let go of the idea of him as the most important special man in the world. I think you're right because he does, he does have this complex, right? And it is that, it is that authoritarian complex, but more than anything is this selfish need to uh, advance his ego. Right now, you know, speaking of, of the witnesses, Matthew Pottinger, as we uh, referred to him before, there was also uh, Sarah Matthews. She was the former deputy White House uh, press secretary, a very young lady, this, uh, almost kind of the, the same story that we see working her way up through the administration as Cassidy Hutchinson. Now, Cassidy Hutchinson was in the chief of staff's office. Now, Sarah Matthews in the press secretary's office. But what I found um, <laughs> really telling one of the mo moments where she's describing trying to get through these people's skulls of how gross it was for them to be doing nothing and watching as our democracy was trying to be overtaken by these, this band of MAGA idiots, right? Was under attack by a cult of physical attack by a cult right. of personality who would accept nothing but their dear leader. Right. And, 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 and for no reason other than he is their leader. And, and the moment where she's describing if we can't, we can't have him admit because we don't want to look like we're losing. We don't want to lose the narrative. And she, she, she thrust her hand up towards the TV. She says, and she says, does it look like we're fucking winning? Like what, what do you think this looks like? And really, I think going back to your first statements on the hearing itself, I think that's the biggest challenge is getting some of this stuff in front of some of these people who still either don't know what happened on January 6th, because I still think there's, you know, not maybe not a large percentage, but there's a large number of people and they vote in this country. I think it's a large percentage. I think it's the majority of my town, at least the majority of the guys that I run into on construction sites or in local emergency services, even who genuinely don't know what happened on the six. And they've simply absorbed the 
media presented to them by Fox News and Newsmax. Right. Whatever whatever that narrative was, it was a nothing burger, right? They have no clue what actually happened. Um, but some of these bites, these sound bites can really work their way through, like you were saying. Uh, some of the previous hearings, we saw the, the ketchup story where he was throwing ketchup against the wall. We saw the story about the Secret Service having a scuffle inside the the the, the presidential motorcade, which those two stories in and of itself really don't speak to the the crime of a coup. Exactly. Right? They don't have a lot of bearing um, on criminal evidence, except in like what they're related to. Obviously Trump trying to get the secret service to take him to the Capitol is uh, circumstantial evidence that he was involved with the mob going up to the steps because he wanted to lead them. But much more importantly, throwing the burger and throwing the ketchup and trying to choke a secret service agent um, and wrestling back and forth over the headrest in the presidential armored SUV. That is a memeable image that will spread and become a running joke. It's the kind of messaging that Democrats and liberals and the left have been nearly incapable of for decades it's the kind of thing where like the Federalist is now is trying to attack the January 6th committee for uh, hiring TV producers from ABC at all. When the reality is they're terrified that the opposition has finally caught on to their method. Absolutely. Well, and we, and we, we witness this with the tape of the outtakes, like you brought up earlier, because we, we knew there were outtakes. Right. And and some some folks and I even thought that it was going to be outtakes from the original message from the Rose Garden where he says, you know, you're good people. I love you. You know, really stroking, stroking this whole again, the tail wagging the dog because he can't go against his people because he really, truly has stuck to that principle that I can't go against Putin and I can't go against my supporters. Like if I if I start to do those two things, I'll lose control. I'll lose power. But in the statement, the outtakes that I thought were so significant and everyone watched were the outtakes from the statement of January 7th. And I think why it's so significant is not exactly what he says, but him throwing a fit. That's right. Him throwing a fit about what he refuses to say. Right. And then how he was marking out these things. He can't say that he can't because the, the tail won't wag me if I say those things. Right. They'll abandon me. And that's why he stopped taking credit for the vaccine entirely. He tested that out in crowd work at his rallies didn't play well and he dropped it forever. Right. Right. Because, because he, he knew that that was not something that they would wag the tail or the tail would wag the dog with. They wouldn't play that game. Right. So it's always him trying to get the tail to wag the dog. Right. That's all it is. Is because he's always playing to an audience. Steve Bannon does this really well too, um, and you know this with the deep dark, you know, four chan, eight chan, and how he's the Pied Piper of these trolls out there. And now Donald Trump in I, his four fucking shirts and his weeping skin yeah, lesions, right, becoming we, the incel god. Which I'm sure we'll get to Steve Bannon here in a little bit when we get to the part that the actual season finale didn't show, because um, we talked about this beforehand off camera. 
the one thing that really didn't give us the satisfaction, um, we got a lot of sax- satisfaction out of the Holly video, which we'll talk about here in a second. But the thing we didn't get satisfaction from and we thought we might see is the thing me and you have talked about a lot. And, and that, it, it exists. We know it exists. We know the committee knows that it exists and they know the back channel that is there. And the back channel between Stuart Rhodes and the actual orders for that QRF, the weapons that are, were stored across the Potomac, and the President of the United States. We did not hear or any kind of hint at all of who and what that back channel was the day of the 5th and the day of the 6th. We, we didn't get any kind of satisfaction there. So why do you think that is? I think that's because uh, the January 6th committee and the Department of Justice are working towards overlapping but not quite unanimous purposes. The January 6th committee is racing the clock to get the entire story presented in an entertaining format with clips and visual aids in front of the American people before the elections so that everyone understands what's at stake ahead of the midterms, running under the gun to put together everything that you and I and probably a good portion of your audience already knows in a concise one-stop playlist or broadcast that everyone can look at to get fully caught up or close to it. The Department of Justice is, I believe, approaching this like a mob investigation, working their way up the chain, building a bulletproof case, because if they swing at Trump, it has to connect. And so we get the Department of Justice in many cases running out ahead of the publicly visible work the Department of Justice is doing. I mean, the committee running out ahead of the Department of Justice, at least in their public work. And where we see a weird gap where we've had the leaks before, we know that Stuart was Stuart and Terrio were in the Friends of Stone group chat. We've seen reporting that they have that group chat. We have heard the reports of Stuart on the phone with a mysterious intermediary who might have been able to put him in touch with Trump but refused to on the night of the 6th when it was clear that the coup had not worked and was being abandoned for now. And the committee didn't address that. The committee didn't even really address Oath Keepers except for uh, the disgusting walkie-talkie audio log intercepts. And the reason for that, I think, is because that is something the Department of Justice is pursuing heavily because if they have hard evidence of those connections the chain of command from Trump to Roger Stone, Michael Flynn, down to Proud Boys and Oath Keepers for the paramilitary operation happening under cover of the mob. That is the smoking gun for bringing Trump and his inner circle up on serious charges. And the notable absence of any mention of it in the public hearings in season one I think is an indicator that that's being pursued very aggressively and it's being taken very seriously, especially now as we're seeing that the Department of Justice has issued a large number of grand jury subpoenas related to the fake elector slates. They're they're going after the prongs 
of this coup attempt, and there is no way that they're overlooking the paramilitary operation, especially with the looming Oath Keepers and Proud Boys seditious conspiracy trials. Well, I, I think um, your your suggestion that DOJ is moving towards and up the ladder to a bigger fish, you know, that's what the um, prosecutors use the language, big fish, small fish. And I think they're getting bigger, bigger fish in front of the grand jury because we know Mark, there's reports that Mark Short, who is the vice president or former vice president, Mike Pence's chief of staff, who was with him in the parking garage when they wouldn't go with Secret Service. I have different feelings on that um, now than I did before the hearings, but we can we can leave that for another day. I want to get back to because you brought up the the radio chatter because we're kind of talking about the back channel and that radio chatter between the Oath Keepers. So, do you, I, I mean, you were around, Stuart. You were around these militia groups your entire life. Was it pretty common to have a back channel in different um, chains of command? Or tell us about that. Yeah, whether it's a QRF. Tell us about absolutely. how that would actually work and what the protocol would be. Well, the anything large scale happens in the militia movement is a weird, fractious coalition of different disparate groups and little factions. Everybody's got a tiny fiefdom. And what we're hearing there is, like, it's strangely familiar to me, the way they're talking about it is they have their mission, they're undergoing it, they're, um, but they're keeping one eye on what the president is saying publicly with his tweets in case it means a mission scrub. And that's why when he says, uh, don't attack Capitol Police, the one guy is like, oh, he didn't say anything about not attacking Congress people. <laughs> so that's so what, what do you mean? What do you mean by mission scrub? Describe describe what that means to, in, in, in simple terms. What if Trump what had mean? called it off publicly, said everyone stop, go home. And if they'd continued them attempting their mission at that point, they would no longer have had the cover of the mob to operate within. It would have just been them. And it, it's the uh, their mission, which I believe was um, abducting Nancy Pelosi or other senators and seizing the boxes with the electoral votes to uh, create a delay in the certification process that could be exploited that would not have been possible without the coverage of thousands of violent Trump supporters. And Trump could have called off those thousands of supporters in one broadcast or one tweet. It wouldn't have even taken walking to the briefing room, could have done it from his phone anytime. So they're seeing these tweets pop up. They're going, yeah, he hasn't told everyone to back off yet. We're still a go. And they're laughing about it. So what you're, so, so what you're saying... Channel. So what you're hearing in that in that radio chatter is that um, they're taking what Trump is saying or what more maybe more importantly, what he's not saying as orders. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. So. Yes. So. So if if let's let's just play out a, a scenario here, because we don't again, we don't know who that back channel was and if we do know that Stuart Rhodes was maybe desperate to contact the president of the United States where did where did the fallout happen you think in the timeline in that 187 minutes when Stuart and the oath keepers had no idea what the mission was anymore 
right? Are, they had no idea what their orders were. Were we still going forward? Where do you think it fell apart uh, for them? Was it when the National Guard shows up because Mike Pence kind of forced the issue and Donald Trump had to have the National Guard come in? Is that where you think it was? Or where do you think it is in that 187 minutes? I think um, it's whatever point it is where the momentum stalls and they do not get their hands on the senators. It's becoming clear that they're not making any further progress towards their strategic goals. And there's just a mob milling about causing property damage in the Capitol. It's when Stewart is getting repeated messages from the QRF guy asking if they're going in and he's saying not yet. It's that it's then it's the, it's in that span in the slow moving uh, grinding to a halt of their momentum when the tide starts to turn and they're no longer progressing towards their goals. And then you hear that the national guard is coming and then Trump tells everybody, we love you go home. And it's like, Oh shit, I guess it's Viet Cong tunnels in Kentucky now. Right. So, so it goes from in, and maybe, and maybe the oath keepers mind, the leadership's mind, Stewart's mind, it goes from, Hey, we are going to actually be able to do an insurrection here, uh, uh, commit a Cheeto dust kangaroo coup, which I, that's what, what I call it. Um, it goes from that to him seeing it as, oh, well, damn, this is just a riot now, right? They, they're going to call in, they're going to call in the riot police. They're going to call the riot off. They're going to pull it off. And now it's just a riot. We don't have the cover anymore to actually commit an insurrection. Rather, it's to um, take the the actual valid state electors and switch them with the, sh- you know, the ones that Trump that's the wanted. continuing the continuing Eastman memo plan, which Stewart was not a pivotal player in from anything that I've seen. And that is why I think we have that report of Stewart on the phone with his intermediary uh, begging him to put Trump on and begging him to influence Trump to call up Oath Keepers and militias uh, and deputize them to seize control of the Capitol and reinstate him to the presidency. And this is Stuart kind of the was. martial law, the martial law insurrection act, right? This is yeah, where and that's Stuart, where Stuart kind of has this in his brain, which is which is uh, uh, really flooring from the stories that you've told before about the Oath Keepers and his mission, because that's the actual opposite of what. Yeah, he, Oath Keepers. It's in the founding ten orders we will not obey is uh, martial law. And the suspension of the Constitution is never, ever okay and always to be opposed. And the complete 180 degree flip on that is just a signal of Stuart placing his personal loyalty in Trump rather than his oath to the Constitution and that it was all a lie. And But but don't you think that this goes back to that authoritarian power is that. That, Absolutely. You know, Stuart because was, was terrified of a Biden administration, of a Biden DOJ. And, you know, he's t- he's paranoid still about the Bundy Ranch and what happened there. And um, I mean, it, some of that comes into play where it's may- maybe not even as much about Trump as it is about Stewart. You think it absolutely was just about Stewart because his. Um, he clung to Trump for his own safety. He clung to Trump because clinging to MAGA was the path of least resistance for continued relevance of Oath Keepers and for making money. It wa- And he, especially whenever he got plugged in with that intermediary, it became an opportunity to make Oath Keepers into something very important 
in the coming order when Trump would cement his control over the United States. Uh, placing. Do you think, think Stuart Rhodes had the? I, I just want to play play a game here real quick. So you think Stuart ahead. Rhodes had like this fantasy that Donald Trump becomes the king of the United States, the Constitution is no more, which means Trump can basically crown him the general, the uh, ch- commander in chief, as it were, type thing that you see in a lot of autocracies. Because a lot of autocracies, the king is not actually the head of the, the military; they're not the commander in chief. They they pass that on. That's too much fucking work, right? A king wants to you know do different things than than worry about what the military. Do you think that some some sick twisted you know reality that Stuart Rhodes thought that's what was going to happen? Absolutely, absolutely. I think he was gunning for being the head of Trump's internal security division. He wanted to be the head of Trump's Revolutionary Guard or Republican Guard to pull from contemporary examples. And if the coup had gone off, I would have been able to foresee an eventual power struggle where Stewart would have attempted to oust uh, Eric Prince or Michael Flynn, uh, <laughs> whichever one ended up in charge of Trump's right. loyal military. Um, oh my God. Okay. To this is the right hand man. I, I am. I am regretting going down this imaginary road already. It's. Um, we would. We would be in scary. Canada, and I would be forming a. A dark mirror of all of the militia groups on the, uh, <laughs> the ones that watch the southern border and patrol right. to catch to catch drug mules, and they're full of Nazis. I would have been forming my anti-oath keepers uh, militia border recon, right? With this, with the back, with the backing of uh, Canadian intelligence services for whenever they <laughs> wanted people just shot without having to arrest or turn them over. It sounds like the you've Trump, been on. You've been on it sounds like you've been on secret meetings with the uh, Canadian uh, intelligence forces. So, <laughs> but but back, but but here's the thing: back to Stuart Rhodes and this back channel and. Um, why it is so important in that 187 minutes is because Stuart Rhodes actually, um, and rather it's because this coup attempt was done by a bunch of buffoons or not. Stuart wasn't let in on the plan, obviously, of what the actual plan was, because I actually don't think that there was an one strategic actual plan. I think that's the other thing that the yes. hearings have shown us is that Trump was willing to do whatever it took. It didn't matter which avenue. He didn't care if the Supreme Court made him president. He didn't care if the if the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and a bunch of white nationalists went and committed violence and made him president. They saved him, saved him, or or, or if whatever the case, the state electors, the state legislators, the courts, the DOJ, whoever would just make him president. That's what he would have went with. He didn't give a shit. It, it, it didn't. He didn't have one strategic plan. It was like, we'll just throw spaghetti at the wall and see fractured how much plan, of it fractured chain of command. And one thing that I think is clearly demonstrated by that audio log of the walkie-talkie communications from the Oath Keepers stack that made entry, and from the signal chats and that we have, where uh, Stewart is talk is in communication with his group and the QRF is once the day started going, once January 6th went underway, um, there was no direct communication with Stewart's handlers higher up the chain. Uh, 
whoever he was reporting to that brought him in on the overall plan. They did not have direct communication, probably for security reasons, which is the only smart thing that they did in the sense of avoiding criminal prosecution. But it also undermines the chances of their operation being successful because now when they're fully committed on the 6th and when the stack and the Proud Boys are leaving the crowd early to show up at the Capitol and get ready to force entry, they have to go off of inferring shit from Trump's public statements instead of getting a call on a burner phone from their handler relaying direct orders. The, they have to go off of a guessing game, and then when things go off plan, they don't know what's happening further up ahead, and that falls apart. And that that uh, cutting off of communications that I think is demonstrated by this, by the uncertainty, by the having to interpret from Trump's public statements what their orders are, um, that shows that their go-between was willing to keep ties separate and hidden to protect themselves from prosecution if the coup didn't work out on the paramilitary aspect, even at the expense of undermining the success of the paramilitary operation. Those guys can fall back on the Eastman plan, and if Oath Keepers and Proud Boys don't deliver, then they just get burned. Right, right. Well, and and that um, goes back to, like you said, this chain of command being broken um, because there really wasn't one in that Trump didn't want a chain of command because he doesn't want to be connected to the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys. And the reason why is because they're white nationalists. They're white nationalists. And this brings me to this... um, A gateway pundit uh, jailhouse interview with Stewart that was released, I don't know, a couple days ago, I guess. It's been um, yesterday or the day before. Go ahead and dredge it up. Dredge up the childhood memories. Let me hear the sweet, sultry voice of my childhood. Yes. So this is is Stewart talking to, and I'm assuming it's the same gateway pundit reporter that's been doing these jailhouse interviews. Uh, And Stewart's kind of been all over the map with these interviews. If if you've listened to any of the audio from the Gateway Pundit um, interviews that they put out, okay. um, this this one specifically though, he he really he got something to say. Well, once. I I find it funny that last week he was begging the January sixth Select Committee to come in and give his side of the story in front of the lights and the cameras and the microphone. This week he wants to sue them because he was hanging out with a bunch of white nationalists. Now, for people who don't know. January 5th, there is a documentary that was being made and Stuart Rhodes appeared in a parking garage with Enrique Tario, who was not supposed to be in Washington, D.C. that day. He was it, it, he was barred from being inside the city by a judge because of a rally that had happened weeks before and he would burned uh, a sign in front of a church um, and they weren't going to allow him into the city on the 6th for obvious reasons but Stuart Rhodes my view is because there was private conversations that weren't recorded my view is is that was a passing of the church because what we what we noticed the next day is someone named Roger Stone who is 
possibly that back channel for the QRF and the orders from the president of the United States. Who knows? Maybe Kim we'll find or, that out. Kim or Michael Flynn would be my two top. Right, picks. right. Because Michael Flynn, we know, has been uh, liaison with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers both. But it seems like that meeting in the garage where he's meeting with the white nationalist group, uh, the leader of Proud Boys, um, where it's almost like a passing of the torch. Like they don't know what's going on again, back to the whole, you know, fractured plan, fractured chain of command. They have no idea. So they're trying to make the best of what situation they have without having direct orders from this back channel. But it seems as if the Proud Boys switched the security from them to the Oath Keepers, which um, those Oath Keepers are now pleading guilty and cooperating who were protecting Roger Stone, which should make Roger Stone and Stuart Rhodes very, very fucking nervous is the way I see it. That's why I've always believed that Roger Stone is probably the likelihood that he is one of the back channels and maybe... You know, as Stuart Rhodes might and the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys might have had a back at plan where they had uh, Roger Stone and Mike Flynn. I don't know. I don't know if the Department of Justice would be able to actually smoke that out or not. It seems like the January 6th Select Committee has evidence of a back channel and who it is. Um, and they've just chose to not to address it for the time right. being. Right. Well, and that could be like you said earlier, because the Department of Justice doesn't want to ruin a criminal case against that person or that person is now cooperating in an effort to move up the chain. Uh, little fish, big fish stuff like we talked earlier. But let's and go to go ahead. Anything that sinks a conviction of Stuart Rhodes in connection with this back channel and especially anything that sinks his connect is very bad for Donald Trump. That provides the clearest stepping stone to prosecuting Trump for January 6th and the most solid. If Trump goes down and the evidence in his trial includes his secret communications with an intermediary with the White House, that is the silver bullet. So do you think, you know, speaking of that, and I, I'm going to go to the tape here of the Gateway Pundit interview where he's threatening to sue this six committee um, for calling him a white nationalist appropriately. But but do you think these Gateway Pundit interviews more than anything are Stuart Rhodes signaling to Donald Trump? I think he's signaling to anybody who will listen. He's very much feeling like he's been let out, left out to dry, which he should have expected. He knows the history of how this shit works. He knows that the brown shirts got purged once Hitler took power. You should have seen it coming. You're talking and about the essay. Yeah, once, the, mm -hmm. the essay, once they outlived their usefulness, the essay and the weirdo, uh, weirdo left-wing uh, factions of the Nazi party got purged and executed and imprisoned in, uh, one, in a one-night shock and shock and awe campaign called the light of night of the long knives. And Stuart has ranted about that at length in all throughout my childhood. He should have seen it coming and he should have known from Trump's personal history that if he failed to deliver, he would just be blamed for failing Trump and would be left hanging. And now he's shouting for anybody who will listen and trying to remain relevant. So let's listen to him let's shout. Hear, let's yeah. listen to the shouting. Yeah, let's listen to the shouting from from the the uh, the jailhouse phone. Let's listen. 
for your uh, members to uh, to press charges if they feel that they that's something they want to do against uh, this blasphemy that well, we heard. They, they can sue him. They can sue this and take move. And also, Benny Thompson has made statements calling Oath Keepers a white supremacist organization or white nationalist in the media. And he did that along with the president of the NAACP, unfortunately. Right. And so they're not just saying it inside the halls of Congress, they're saying it out in the media, uh, which makes them vulnerable to being sued. So they can be sued for defamation for yeah. sure. So one thing about... So, so um, for people who don't know, because we do have an interview with you and your mom, Tasha, um, who has said in the past that the founding tenements of the Oath Keepers and Stewart tried to keep white nationalists at one point. He actually would go to an extent to purge white nationalists that would even give any kind of hint of racism, white nationalism, KKK, um, you know, on the social media. He would purge them from the Oath Keepers. But he walked away from that as Trump came to power. And he, obviously, he met with Tario before the 6th, um, who is the leader of a white nationalist group who don't pick bones about it. So why do you why do you think Stewart here is is you think he's just crying into his spilled milk here? He really, really wants his supporters to take action that will protect him from further damaging testimony by the committee that personally hurts him and Oath Keepers. He would very much really wants personal revenge on Tattenhove for speaking out against him is what I would say. And he's desperately trying to maintain the separation between Oath Keepers and white nationalists that protected Oath Keepers throughout most of his career. Now, this is something that I covered a bit in uh, my latest piece of writing, but uh, Stewart not only obsessed over uh, whether posters on the, like websites like Stormfront, the Holocaust Denial Center, and White Pride website that uh, from posters who were saying that they were Oath Keepers members and trying to infiltrate, he obsessed over it, and he saw white nationals infiltration of Oath Keepers as a deadly threat because it would mean that Oath Keepers members would be stripped of security clearances for being in an organization that accepted uh, racists or felons and would taint them in the eyes of the media because for a while he was trying to make Oath Keepers into a legitimate organization on a national scale or using that whatever legitimacy he had as cover. And while this was going on behind the scenes, he would maintain ties with figures like Chuck Baldwin and Matt Shea, who have deep connections to the white nationalist Christian identity movement and accepted that. So there was always a practical willingness to be friends of friends with white nationalists as long as he kept it on the down low and in his desperation to hide behind Trump's skirts and also to use Trump as a ladder towards his own power and relevance. Uh, Stewart became more willing to accept ties with neo-Nazis and white nationalists under the great Trump umbrella. And where previously he kicked out everyone who went to Charlottesville, which is brings us back to Tattenhove in one of his interviews, uh, Tattenhove remains silent while a TV show host is uh, talking about Oath Keepers and 
Charlottesville and for weeks, Stewart had been losing it over Charlottesville and was demanding that nobody goes to Charlottesville. If any of you idiots insist on going to Charlottesville, you are not bringing your Oath Keepers apparel or merchandise with you or you are banned for life. And some guys did anyway and got photographed wearing Oath Keepers shirts. And that is what got Oath Keepers kicked off of PayPal. And Tattenhove would have been absolutely still in the loop at this point, but the timeline that he testified to publicly in previous interviews says that he cut ties fully sometime before that. So he couldn't really express an opinion on it, on the entire fiasco and the internal schism that happened with this purging of members from the roles over attending or supporting uh, Charlottesville and damaging the organization. I think irreparably as a result. Now, that said, while I'm not the world's biggest fan of Tattenhove and probably never will be for my own reasons, Tattenhove going and giving those interviews and especially his work on his Colorado Switchblade newsletter, where he's been talking in very plain terms about every uh, everything the GOP is trying to pull off right now, he's doing good work. He's telling the truth. He's getting an important message out there. So right now he is absolutely working on the side of good, but that um, bit about Charlottesville is again, just a little bit of where he could have taken the opportunity to spread a little bit of knowledge about how the exact interplay between Oath Keepers and the Charlottesville protest worked and the decline of Oath Keepers and shows not to because he's trying to downplay how long he was still involved. Well, and, and that Tattenhove may be doing the same thing that Stewart is doing here, where he's saying Oath Keepers should sue the Select Committee and Benny Thompson for calling them uh, white nationalists. Now, here's the thing, because you know you, you mentioned the GOP as a whole and the direction of the GOP and, and the actual alarm that Tattenhove, Jason von Tattenhove, set off during that hearing that he was in, and he's still doing with some of his work, is that... It's not just the Oath Keepers. It's not just the Proud Boys. It's not these white nationalist groups. They are inside one political party, and we only have a two-party system here in this country. And he was trying to sound the alarm because Stewart's, <laughs> Stewart's case that, that Benny Thompson calling uh, Oath Keepers white nationalists is some what kind of libel defamatory is- harm has been done that hasn't already been right. done. Well, but nobody but Dakota- is appealing to right now would be turned off by them calling being called white nationalists by Benny Thompson. They well, would take it as a selling point. That, well, think about it. We have we have Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert who who embrace nationalists. Who, yes. Well, they're Christian white nationalists. They're even a step further towards Nazis. But listen, the 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 actual GOP is embracing nationalism and not just nationalism but christian white nationalism and and they're begging they're begging for anyone to pardon stewart and the rest of the january 6th select insurrectionist and if that isn't white nationalism white christian national whatever they want to bill it as and call it whatever they want christian nationalism white national whatever they want to do whatever however the hell they want to you know because they do this a lot 
we talked about this before is they go with one branding like, oh, that was really horrible at Charlottesville because some guy took a car and tried to murder a bunch of people and did kill somebody. And he's convicted now. So we got to change our name to Patriot Front. Like, yeah. and we got to change our outfits now. So we all look similar, right? Like they, they we got to change our branding. uniform. We got to rebrand. Yeah, that's right. So the rebranding now is is Marjorie Taylor Greene is not only not only embracing Christian nationalism, but she is saying into a microphone that, hey, I'm a proud. She says this. I'm a proud Christian nationalist. I'm like, holy actual fuck. Like, really, you can't get more fascist than exactly what they're doing and it, you know, oh, it's always a well, 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 we're about to see it this summer is Victor Orban, the uh, great granddaddy of all the conspiracy theories about his previous political rival in Hungary, George Soros. Uh, one of the architects of the actual vast right wing conspiracy New World Order that's been playing the projecting blame game with all of its opponents is going to be speaking at CPAC this year on the heels of a public statement where he stated, and this is the current head of state of Hungary, the president of Hungary right. stating pro Putin, basically Putin's uh, pet dog inside the European union that uh, nations in which races mix are no longer really nations. And that is why he opposes Hungarians becoming a mis- mixed race people and losing Hungarianism. That and sounds familiar. Is, that sounds yes, familiar. Yes, it does, me. doesn't it? And now yeah. he's going to be speaking <laughs> in the United States at this summer's CPAC. Well, that's not surprising since CPAC took it to to um, Hungary to have their little Hungarian-style fascist uh, re- Nazi rally there. And that's uh, where they uh, just expressed open admiration for how uh, Orban's uh, conservative party cemented minority rule and has affect has banned their political rivals like George Soros from ever being in the country again, and has essentially rigged it so that very theoretically they could lose an election, but in all practicality, it is impossible. So they are just openly worshiping the man who game planned what they plan to do in the United States. We all need to pay attention and we should keep a close eye on uh, Victor Orban's little visit to the U.S. So let, let's touch on one more thing before we go, because um, we talked about this in private. You, br- you brought up the words new world order and the right wing has always used this as a fear factor. They, they use all kinds of things as fear factors to get people really riled up and scared about something to activate their base. And especially violently, I think that's a little bit what Donald Trump has been doing in his last rallies is to uh, get his, Get unsanctioned violence, I think, as you called it in one of our interviews. Um, but tell us, t- tell the audience about because we talked about the new world order privately. Tell us how you believe in their quest of convincing the right wing uh, or or the followers of the right wing that there is a new world order. They have created one, and we see that through Orban, we see that through Putin, and we see that in these right wing. Um, you know, these right wing pockets throughout the world. It's kind this of a populist kind of a, political groups with right. intertwined funding with interlinks between political operatives. The. Uh, the 
slander of George Soros and the birther conspiracy theory about uh, President Barack Obama were masterminded by political advisors who had worked for Orban, who came over from Hungary to work for the GOP. The links are very clearly there. And what we have is that all accusations that liberal Democrats, leftists, socialists, neoliberals, anybody who likes the United Nations and the neoliberal global global order as it exists today, the international order or NATO or anything else, they're all part of a vast sinister conspiracy to institute uh, totalitarian rule worldwide and take your rights away. (laughs) All the people promoting this are running in the same authoritarian populist circles using pop right-wing populist rhetoric, pulling from the same sources of dark money and rubbing shoulders continuously in their efforts to overthrow democracies and install authoritarian governments. And what that is starting to look like a lot is this proud tradition dating all the way back to Hermann Goring of always accusing your enemy of that which you do. I'm starting to pure projection. I'm starting to believe that every accusation of the new world order has been a confession the entire time. It becomes clear when you look at the deep ties between Orban and the current GOP becomes clear when you look at Vladimir Putin's funding for right-wing terrorist groups the world over and his ties with right-wing populists and isolationists in France and the UK and their meddling in Brexit and the 2016 presidential election in the United well, States. Well, you even see Russia's involvement with the NRA and tying Putin, Absolutely. Putin tying to the NRA. You see very clearly uh, sexy Russian sex pot handlers uh, handling in multiple ways uh, GOP operatives and <laughs> NRA executives to keep them on track. You know, you always have a way to to uh, lightly step over the sex part. You know that you know that you have the uh, you have the ability to do that. I don't have the ability to do that. I just say it. She was she was they, they were trying to give him handies. You know, that's what I would say. You said yeah. handled in certain ways, but I, you know, that, uh, that's well, how I, I don't I don't know. Even uh, like Russian escorts who work for the KGB have standards. I would expect that was just an extended <laughs> game of whack-a-mole. Well, it could be. It could be. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, but but I think you're right in that the projection of the New World Order, because you you know, you probably heard more about this than I did because I wasn't a part of the militia movement. I mean, everything was this is New World Order? Every, every absolutely everything. Every that's where it all comes from. Everything is New World Order. And now that I've become more aware, I'm tracing back all the propaganda and the tracing back of all this propaganda keeps ending up in the same places. Even early QAnon and the early conspiracy theories about uh, Hillary Clinton's email server wrapped in George Soros somehow, like the origin point of George Soros being the the militia movement right-wing boogeyman dates back to the GOP getting in bed with Hungarian authoritarians. The Hungarian authoritarians are deeply up the asses of Putin's Russia. And it's kind of where the competing brand that we see is China's Belt and Road Initiative, where China is supporting just 
with no qualms, any authoritarian government that will sign a deal with them where they are theoretically communists, but completely on board with anti-communist dictatorships that all mutually support each other across ideological lines in a self-supporting international network of of despots. And I think there, that's a competing brand with what this global right-wing movement is attempting to do throughout the Western world, South America, and the Middle East, because we've seen faltering attempts at the GOP to court the Taliban since their takeover of Afghanistan and to bring pro-Taliban propaganda into right, white supremacist messaging. It's the attempt to assemble an international league of super evil to overthrow a liberal democracy once and for all. And I think the new world order has always been projection. I think the new world order has always been right wing. I think, I think you're onto something there and, and, and tell us, because I know you're going to write about this in your, your, your new Substack and some of the streams you're doing. So tell the audience before we go yeah. exactly where they can find everything, Dakota. Pump that shilling, pump that shilling. So yeah, I am now it. And uh, you can get taken my link tree. If you just go to dakotavadams.com, um, you know, and you'll find the link to my weekly one hour, uh, weekly Wednesday live stream where I do question and answering and a couple of select YouTube videos and dramatic readings of right-wing media and especially right-wing science fiction that I grew up with and survivalist training videos. And then also my Substack, where I post weekly odd stories from my childhood that will always and forever be freely available. And my upcoming series of deprogramming essays that cover social justice and political issues in language that is simple and from an argument angle that will appeal to your Republican uncle who's a little bit smart and might be brought around, which is one of my main goals when I started writing. Along with that, you will get um, regular hot takes on current events and reactions to um, right-wing political rag trends and current militia shenanigans. So go follow Dakota on his Substack and go check out his his Twitch stream. I was there for the first one. It was fantastic. Don't first don't let him tell you anything. No, awful, no, it was great. Very bad, no good live stream. It was a great live stream. So go to DakotaVAdams.com or follow Dakota on Twitter at DakotaVAdams. Dakota, thanks for joining us again. Come back soon. Thank you my for friend. having me on from the shed. Absolutely. I have nothing else going on in my life. Well, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Have a have a great have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. You too. See you next time. We'll be right back. Mark, sixty seconds. This is the Tony Michaels podcast. Are you numb and alone after storming the Capitol? Have you been left out in the cold after stealing Nancy Pelosi's mail? Do you feel exposed to a government that doesn't share your patriotic values? If any of these describe you, then you're in luck. Hi, I'm Paul Gosar, and thanks to my new product, Pardon Blanket, I've got you covered. Pardon Blanket specifically works to make you feel safe and cozy after your involvement on January 6th. And if you're one of the other members of Congress who also helped with the attempted coup, 
Pardon Blanket will protect you too. Pardon Blanket is made of a sort of soft fleece and a layer of sheep's wool. And they're 100% made in the USA. Don't delay and get your pardon blanket today for just $99.99. Actual pardons not guaranteed. Jumping back into it, this is the Tony Michaels Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. Thanks for sticking around through the break. What a great, another great interview with Dakota Von Adam, the attorney son of Stuart Rhodes. He has such great insight into the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, especially the militia movement and white nationalism, as it were. He's not a white nationalist. He's our white nationalist expert here on the Tony Michaels podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I, I paused too soon in the beginning of the interview, so I apologize for that long pause but he is he is our he is becoming more and more of our expert here on the Tony Michaels podcast for those types of topics. So I appreciate when Dakota joins us. So please do me a favor, go over to DakotaVAdams.com and check out all the links over there to his Twitch stream, uh, to his Substack, and uh, follow him on Twitter as well at DakotaVAdams. So DakotaVAdams.com. Go to his link tree. You'll find all the links there. Now, let's help support Dakota in his efforts to write about the deprogramming of militia movements and deprogramming of white nationalism. I think it's super, super important. I think the work that he will do now and in the future is just as more or more important than some of the work we do here. And the work that we do here is round up all the Tweety Tweets and the Trendy Trends on a section of the show that you love best, the Shit List Roundup. So let's start the countdown. have a lot of shit around up in the Tweety Tweets and the Trendy Trends today. Let's go surfing. It's surfing time. Sorry that Gabe Sanchez is... Gabe's got a couple days off. Uh, other than making thumbnails, you know, Gabe makes our thumbnails. Um, and we talk back and forth. But they, Gabe has a couple days off, so I'm going to be surfing the Trendy Trends and the Tweety Tweets by myself today with all of you folks. But Gabe will not be joining us today and probably not tomorrow. He'll rejoin us on Friday where we... Go through Bonehead of the Week. So make sure to go follow us on Twitter at Tony Michaels Pod to vote or follow us here on YouTube. You can also vote on YouTube now for the Bonehead of the Week, which will come. The poll will come out tomorrow, and Gabe will join us on Friday for the Bonehead of the Week. He's still working behind the scenes, though, and he he, he gave us this great um, thumbnail for today. Let me Let me see if I can find it here. Here it is. He gave us this great thumbnail for, well, maybe. There we go. He gave us this th- great thumbnail for today. Under investigation, he wanted to. He wanted me to let the audience know, no, Gabe is okay. People are asking if Gabe is okay. He just has a few days off. He went to his secret bunker. 
He's got a few days that he's doing some things, so he'll he won't be on the show. He's still working behind the scenes, though. He just does not have the the internet capability in the new bunker that he is in um, to stream. He can still send great art like we have here on the thumbnail today. But he did want to he did want me to let the the audience know that he told you so. Doubt me. As we say here on the Tony Michaels podcast, of course, Trump was under investigation. We've been saying this to trust the Department of Justice, trust the system, trust democracy, trust Merrick Garland, trust these things. This is happening. There, there is no indication that it wasn't happening. That was all a bunch of bullshit. So stop paying attention to people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I guess that's a simple way of putting it. Um, we got a lot of video to get to today. I want to start off with Marge. Speaking of white Christian nationalist, here's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, I don't know who the fuck this is, this guy, this podcast that she's on, this Trader TV podcast or whatever the hell it's called, right? They got a thousand of these fucking things. That's why the left should have a thousand podcasts of their own. If you like to speak into a microphone, you should start your own show and gain your audience and yell and scream into a microphone if you can, if that's what you want to do for democracy. Or you can fill out postcards, make phone calls, door knock, donate a little bit of money to each campaign, whatever you can do to engage in your democracy. So that way we can indict and convict Donald Trump in the 2022 midterms, along with his allies and all of his people, all his political candidates that have his endorsement. Fuck them. Let's indict all of them and convict all of them in the 2022 midterms by we, the jury, voting them the fuck out. Let's do that. Speaking of voting motherfuckers out, let's talk about Merge, Hooffoot Green. No, think about it, though. They, they're per- they've purged the military. Yeah. They've purged the military. The warriors yeah. are leaving. Absolutely. Why do they want to be there? They're, they're being yeah. tra- they're going through woke training. Their their toxic masculinity is is completely not accepted, even though what, what are the military for? I would think to- toxic masculinity is not accepted. What in the when in the fuck when in the fuck did it become acceptable for toxic masculinity in this these this goddamn fascist. I am so sick of this garbage. We're white Trump trumped up white men are the most oppressed people in the country. Yes, we we do not want you here. We don't want your ideology. We do not want Nazis here. We don't want fascists in our democracy. What don't you understand? We will not tolerate intolerance. That is a thing we do not have to fucking do. As pro-democracy people in this country, we do not have to tolerate intolerance. Fuck you. Liberalism is the is is the toughness of our country. That's what makes America tough is liberalism. Not fucking not fucking fascism and authoritarianism. You fucking weak pieces of shit. All you want to do is get one person, one person to tell you what to do and what the fuck to think, and that's how you're gonna go. Well, that's fucking easy. Liberalism is hard. Compromise is hard. Democracy is difficult. We all know that. Hell, achieving equity and equality is damn difficult in an, in in any society. And democracy is the best way to deliver it. That's what scares the fuck out of these trumped up white dudes, as she's describing here. That toxic masculinity isn't allowed in the military. Boo hoo, boo fucking hoo. Toxic masculinity does not make you a man. 
I'm sorry, you fucking idiots. It does not make you a man or manly, no matter how much you tan your balls like Tucker Carlson. Toxic masculinity is horse shit. It's fascism. It's ridiculous. That's why she loves it. Let's continue. Toxic masculinity would be a number you, one you, requirement. You would think when you're being <laughs> shot at, you could care you less about those things. We, yeah. They would, should be like, are you a toxic male? Yes, please sign up. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Are you a toxic male? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you are now on the fringes of society. We are going to ostracize you. Fuck you. Again. Folks, we do not have to tolerate intolerance. I get so sick and tired of people in this country light-gloving these motherfuckers. They're Nazis! Charlie Kirk, you're a Nazi. Marjorie Taylor Greene, you're a fucking Nazi. Donald Trump, you're a fucking Nazi. Send me a cease and desist. I don't give a fuck. Do it. Let's do it. I'll publish it here on the show. Fucking pieces of goddamn shit. Marjorie Taylor Greene loves toxic masculinity. Wants toxic masculinity is part of our military and our police force. Well, no wonder we got a fucking problem. Speaking of more fucking lying fascists, here's another one. Carrie Lake. Listen to this nonsense. This is posted by a cannibal GOP. Look at this fucking garbage that she's spewing at some kind of event. We will not stand for another stolen election. That's right. No, we won't stand for it. If there's going to be hell to pay if they try it. And we're working right now. We're already detecting some fraud. I know none of you are shocked. We're already detecting fraud. Fraud what? Fraud, fraud what? what the fuck are you talking about? This is Carrie Lake. She knows she's going to lose her primary here in Arizona. That's what's happening here. Carrie Lake, this this trumped up fucking idiot is going to lose her primary. And and the reason why we're going to start to see some of these candidates, these Trump back candidates start to lose their primaries is because we're already watching the Trump back candidates who won their primaries fucking getting trounced, absolutely fucking trounced in these Senate races. J.D. Vance, Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, they're getting fucking just killed in these primaries with these numbers and not just with the numbers, but with the messaging. And so it won't be surprising if some of these other Trump back candidates and these, and these late primaries start to fucking lose. But really, honestly, at this point, maybe we should be cheering on the Trump back candidates to get the candidacy. We need to politicize this at every measure, folks. That's right. I said it. I keep saying it and I'll keep saying it now until the end of time. We have to politicize everything. We cannot let these fascists win dog catcher, for fuck's sake. We have to fight at every single measure, at every single inch here. And yes, if that means that some of these psychopaths like Carrie Lake get the nomination so that the state can go, eh, nope, not going to fucking elect you, psycho. But we also have to band together as pro-democracy voters and engage in the ballot. We say it all the time here to have strategic outrage to stay pissed about these things that matter. And this nonsense that Carrie Lake is spewing, it fucking matters. It matters in our election when you have someone projecting that they want to cheat. Fuck, we see it in Colorado with Tina Peters under indictment for trying to fuck with the machines. The only people who have been proven 
and now under criminal indictment for fucking with voting machines are Republicans. You know who Tina Peters is? She's the one who appeared at Mike Lindell, the MyPillow Nazis, uh, cyber symposium over a year ago. This is just bonkers, batshit, crazy stuff. Now listen to what else she says. Carrie Lake here. And nobody's like, no, we're already detecting fraud. And we're, believe me, we've got cyber folks working with us. We got lots of attorneys. We got cyber folks. What the fuck does that mean? Cyber folks. And we got lots of attorneys. Here's what you can know about this video. And I wrote it. I wrote it here. I said, so in summation, there's no fraud detected. There's no cyber folks, whatever the fuck that means. And there's no attorneys because Carrie Lake is a fucking liar. She is a fucking liar and a traitor, for that matter, to her country. And we watched as she turned her back on her friends, her personal friends, because she had to have the narrative of drag queens are bad. (laughs) Fuck out of here with that shit. You want to see some more projection? I'll show you some more projection. This is the actual photo that is at the top of the banner on the former guy's fraud social account. I'm not shitting you. This is it. You notice something about this fucking picture? What do you notice about this picture? Huh? There's something significant about this picture here. It really feels like to me that these are all white men. And the stupid... People point this out. The stupid fucking thumbs up. Did he take a fucking picture without that fucking thumb? Does he? I don't know. I have no idea. But just look at this photo. And the reason why they put this photo at the top of his fucking, his fraud social account. The reason why they use this photo is because the narrative right now in this country is that Donald Trump, Donald Trump sicked his violent mob to kill police officers. On January 6th. And they did kill police officers. There's right now there's breaking news. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, There's breaking news uh, from the courtroom in Washington. Let's see if we can go to uh, the refresh here a bit. Uh, Uh, Scott McFarlane had it. Here it is. Alert plea hearing scheduled this afternoon in a high profile January 6th case of George Tanios, who was accused of assaulting Capitol Officer Brian Sitnik, who later died of multiple strokes. So they change they change his header to him standing there loving a bunch of white cops, right? Oh, yay. These are my brown shirts. This is my SA. All because we're going to have a plea hearing for the person who helped kill a police officer. George Tanios, one of the trumped up white dudes who was sicked on the Capitol to go kill police officers back to blew my fucking ass. That's why Donald Trump and his social media team are posting that at, at the top of his banner on his fraud social account. Fuck that guy. Okay, uh, let's go back. Here's another video of Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about the war on white men. More fucking white Christian nationalism shit. 
Here we go. Let's listen. But I really believe there's a war on men and no one will talk about it. And I think it's awful. Um, men are our leaders. Men, men are our protectors. Men are our fathers. They guide our kids and protect our families and provide for our families. But that is something that is that has been shamed uh, for decades now. Yeah. What the fuck is she talking about? What is she talking that that men are ostracized because that they're supporters of their family? They're providers? Who the fuck says that shit? When have you ever heard that shit of an actual real man, not a toxic masculine masculine man, Marge, but a real man. A real man or a woman for that matter. Who gives a shit who's the head of the household? No one talks bad about the head of the household who provides for their family who's a good parent to their children, unlike you motherfuckers who can't concentrate on anything but genitalia. That's all you fucking weirdos talk about. All you want to talk about is fucking pronouns, genitalia, and and, and and sexualizing children for crying out loud. That's all they want. That's all these weirdos want to talk about. Jesus Christ. And then we'll get to it here. Maybe we'll watch the video where the vice president of the United States has a meeting and people pronounce their pronouns and they describe what they're wearing and what they look like because there were blind folks in the room and the goddamn meeting was about the Americans for Disabilities Act. Jesus Christ, you you fucking monsters. Let's listen to this. She talks about how it's sad that cops, that cops are held accountable with body cam. I'm not shitting you. She says it's, it's, it's a bad thing that police officers are held accountable with body cams. Listen. And it's it's so frustrating, frustrating, especially here at this place where we are for this generation. Oh, my gosh. They are such victims of it. Yeah. But we see it pronounced uh, with law enforcement. Oh, such victims. Oh, such victims. Oh, we're victims. Us Nazis are victims. Hitler would be really disappointed in these motherfuckers. Don't you think these nincompoop Nazis... Like Marjorie Taylor Greene complaining about about how they're, oh, we're so oppressed. Hitler would be ashamed of these motherfuckers, these nincompoop Nazis, don't you think? Jesus Christ. Enforcement, where those, those, gosh, those great guys, those police officers that want nothing more than to protect their community, keep their community safe. Um, they, they, it's like their hands are tied behind their, not fake handcuffs like AOC, yeah, but, you know, yeah. but real ones. But yeah, it's like they can't even function. They have, they're, they're on video every second of the day on the yeah. job. Um, and and it, I can't understand how they can do a good job under that microscope. How in the fuck doesn't anyone know that almost everyone, no matter where you work or where you're at, you're on fucking video camera. Like, this is 2022, you dumb sons of bitches. It doesn't really matter almost anywhere you're at. Anywhere that you're at. In public. You're on a fucking video camera somewhere. A secure, a private security camera, a public security camera, someone's cell phone. What the fuck are you talking about? They're, they're oppressed because they are held accountable by wearing a body cam? They have to make sure they do their job according to the law or the video cam will tell the truth. You fucking piece of shit. Get the fuck out of here with this nonsense, with this drivel, absolute drivel to cry and tear up for a bunch of toxic white trumped up white dudes. Get the fuck out of here because she failed to mention the women who are fucking police officers in this country. She failed to mention them. She probably wants them to wear body cams. She doesn't even want them to be police officers because they don't have toxic masculinity. Fucking 
just garbage human being she is. A garbage fucking human being. And a Nazi. She's a fucking Nazi. We have to say this out loud. We can't cower from this stuff of calling these people what they are. They're fucking Nazis. Nazis. And here's the the, the Nazi, the MAGA king himself, Donald Trump, at some kind of fucking, I don't know, some Nazi rally. I'm not sure exactly which one this is. I think this is the America First Nazi rally that they had in Washington, D.C. Here he's talking about setting up concentration camps. I'm not shitting you. He's talking about setting up concentration camps. Listen. All kinds, from all places, lying along the roads. That's without the tents. And then you look at the tents and the homeless, and you say, what's happening to this great bastion? Perhaps some people will not like hearing this, but the only way you're going to remove the hundreds of thousands of people and maybe throughout our nation, millions of people were. Talk- now, some people pointed out because he's talking about homeless people here. But this is this is what they do. Pay attention to this because he's talking about homeless people. But that is not their aim here. That is not their aim in their rhetoric. Just like just like they fucking bitched and complained about abortion and overturning Roe v. Wade. That wasn't their fucking aim. Their aim was to take away rights from women. And their next move is to take away all contraception and all choice of contraception from all Americans, not just women, but men as well. And the next move is for their fucking vote, women's vote. This fucking nonsense that he's wanting to create concentration camps and he'll get to it here. He gets to his great plan on how to set up concentration camps. They, he's talking about homeless people and a gold ad. Buy a free gold coin. Qualify for a free gold coin. What the fuck? As he's talking about homeless people. But listen to the end, because this is important. This is important, the rhetoric. And they're going to start, every one of these motherfuckers are going to start saying this garbage because he's puking it into a microphone. Listen. Talking about and help make our cities clean, safe, and beautiful again is to open up large parcels of inexpensive land in the outer reaches of the cities. Are you paying attention? He wants to open up large parcels of la- cheap land. Well, we can get it cheap, and we can send folks. Wink. Bring medical professionals, including doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists. You mean the same ones that deny science? The ones that you find to deny science, those ones, the fuck out of here with this shit. Drug rehab specialists, build permanent bathrooms and other facilities, make them good, make them hard. Oh, yeah, great, great. They can take a shit. At least you can take a shit in this concentration camp. There's a great bathroom. Listen. But build them fast and create Thousands and thousands of high-quality tents, which can be done in one day, one day. And you have to move people out. Now, some people say, oh, that's so horrible. No, what's horrible is what's happening now. Because now they're in tents, but most of them aren't even tents that function. So here he is. Here he is. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He's saying this shit as if he wants this for homeless people. I know that's what it fucking sounds like at first breath. But wait, this is concentration camp type talk. They're going to start fucking saying it out loud. They're going to start trumpeting it. 
in these fucking podcasts and shit. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I mean, you have uh, folks like this who are Marjorie Taylor Greene supporters, and Marjorie Taylor Greene supports them. This is Nick Fuentes on, I I, I don't know, I think this is uh, Telegram, I think is the, the garbage social media site that this is. Nick Fuentes implies that AIDS and monkeypox are, are gay people, quote-unquote, diseases. Says, quote, it's like black people in jail. Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks to these groups of people like Nick Fuentes. Nick Fuentes is going to take what Donald Trump just said and talk about how we should set up concentration camps. Guaranteed, hundo percento, they're going to start parroting that shit. That's why, that's what they do. They put this stuff in the universe and they let these motherfuckers take it hook, line, sinker and run with it. But here Nick Fuentes is posting. He posts on Telegram, this fucking Nazi. He posts, gay people can't stop having sex with multiple anonymous partners enough not to get monkeypox. There's so much fucking just garbage and lies. Number one, why, what, 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 what the fuck are you talking about just because of who you who you love means that you you can't stop having sex with multiple that it sounds like projection nick sounds like projection it sounds like projection kind of a wake up call to the rest of society and then he goes on to fucking puke up this nonsense they're not even there's not even that many gay people again more projection from nick fuentes i think but everyone with monkeypox is gay what the fuck is he talking about it's like AIDS, he says, which monkeypox is nothing, not even close to like AIDS. He says, how do people not see what's going on here? Because it's not happening, you fucking Nazi. And then he follows it up with this one. It's like black people with jail. Oh, Jesus Christ. This fucking piece of shit. But this is who Marjorie Taylor Green listens to. This is her best buddy. She goes and speaks at his event. The event that we just watched Trump. The event that we just watched Trump at. Where he was talking about setting up tent cities on, on, on cheap ass land. Where he can send people that he doesn't like. Because they're dirtying up the cities. It's called America First. Nick Fuentes, his show... His entire organization is called America First. They're fucking Nazis, folks. And call them that. You need to stop this nonsense. Here's um, uh, a report from this morning from Scott uh, McFarlane, CBS News reporting. Federal prosecutors are asking about Trump's discussion with California lawyer John Eastman and the, and about pressure exerted on Pence. This is where the investigation's going, folks. This is how we're confirming that the Department of Justice has an investigation and has had an investigation into the crimes that the Cheeto dust mobster Grandpa Poopy Pants has committed. He tried to steal our vote. He tried. It didn't. He didn't succeed, but he tried. And the Cheeto dust kangaroo coup, the first attempt was a bust, but they're still trying the Cheeto dust coup attempt now. And now that we know and now that we can confirm that the Department of Justice is criminally investigating Donald Trump and his allies for trying to steal the 2020 election, 
We in the court of public opinion, we're the prosecutors and we're the jury here in the court of public opinion. And it's time that we make our case to the public. It's time that we engage in our democracy. Now's the time to stay pissed and use our strategic outrage to save our democracy from these fascist, white, Christian nationalist Nazis. Now's the time. Right now. So engage in your democracy any way you can. Find a way. Find a way. One way is to come here every single weekday, Monday through Friday, for two full hours, noon Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific. I will give you I will give you the cathartic ability to stay pissed and to have that strategic outrage to protect your democracy. Two hours every single day on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch and simulcasting from the Midas Touch Facebook page. We will be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Don't miss it. Until tomorrow, surf's up, motherfuckers. You've been listening to the Tony Michaels Podcast. Podcast. In your face commentary of current events and political news. No rules, no boundaries. I think we've made that perfectly clear. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back soon. In the meantime, follow Tony on social media at the Tony Michaels. And until next time, raise a fist and repeat after me. Fuck them. Murphy's Mewborn, head-ass speaking.